Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 52. Today we have Amy Wilkinson. Amy, if you'd like to say hello. Hello. I'm a bit nervous because you have had literally everyone and I've listened quite a lot. So we'll just give it a go. It will be absolutely fine. <laughs> Before we get on into another excellent episode of the R2Cast, I would just like to thank the sponsor for the show today, The Scottish Farmer a weekly magazine highlighting everything you need to know regarding the Scottish agricultural industry, whether it's breaking news, events happening in the sector, market reports, classified ads, or just wholesome stories happening in the industry. The Scottish farmers got it for you. It absolutely will be fine. There's nothing to be nervous about. I have had a lot of people on now. Uh, obviously, this is number 52, so that gives you a clue. Um, but also, I, I, because it's number 52, very recently uh, we filmed the 50th episode, which you'll have seen a couple of weeks ago with Emma and Ewan. And uh, when I was doing that, I wanted to write a big post on Facebook about what, what sort of came of it. And with that, it meant I looked back over some of my old podcasts, which was a massive, massive mistake. Because <laughs> my first podcast, this isn't live because I edited it and changed it back out. My first podcast I recorded, I said, welcome back to our two cast one. Um, now. <laughs> 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 Welcome back to a thing you've never been to before. <laughs> Correct. So um don't don't be nervous. Um I am the host of the show and I am the one that makes the most mistakes and I will keep that <laughs> uh, keep that medal uh, intact. Some of you might have seen um <clears throat> Amy when she popped up on the screen there before, maybe recognised her before. Uh, there's two probably reasons, well, maybe three reasons um that is. One, you maybe follow her on Instagram, it's Amy Ginge Wilkinson, is that correct? Yes, that is. Good, good, good description. It's quite clear that this is the right person. Very, very clear. <laughs> That's it. Lots of ginger hair. <laughs> um, maybe you read the Farmer's Guardian, of which uh, Amy is a col columnist for, which we'll get into later on. Or maybe, and this is how I was first aware of Amy, and she knew exactly what it was going to be when I first got in touch with her, as she said, the carrot girl. Now, um, Amy, just before we get into your story, would you like to tell us why you said you knew you were going to be known as the carrot girl? <clears throat> so, basically, the post I put on, it was Christmas during lockdown when basically uh, the border with France was shut and everyone was panicking, like, we're not going to have any food for Christmas dinner. And I basically put a post on saying, well, if the supermarkets didn't waste as much, because, for example, we buy carrots, stock feed carrots that supermarkets kind of say they're no good but they're absolutely fine I took a picture of them and I put a post on saying well if they didn't waste as much it would be quite easily to do it a completely whole Christmas dinner with just British supplied food and um yeah it got quite a few shares and I got started panicking but the amount of people who recognize me off that picture and go you're the carrot girl and I'm like are you trying to make a joke because the ginger hair or what and yeah I'm just like okay but no it got to a stage it was quite scary because it was getting so big and like I'd never had anything like that happen before and then my of course my little sister thought it was hilarious to comment oh my god lads she's single as well and then yeah I had 500 messages and lots of friend requests and I was just like oh no Oh God, but no, it was fine. And I thought it proved a point. So I am the carrot girl forever. It, no. it, did prove, it did prove a point. I don't know if you knew that the point would be you no longer needed Tinder or Bumble, but it, it was... Yeah! <laughs> um, it, yeah. 
was it was it was a good post. It was a short post of, of you with a massive pile of carrots behind you, just a selfie, and, and it, it, it really went over quite well. I mean, I shared it at the time, and Amy said there it had a few shares, right? I mean, that's the play down of the century. I actually <laughs> went about five minutes ago and found the post uh, just to have a look. It has uh, thirty six and a half thousand likes, fifty five thousand shares, um, yeah. and <laughs> you are viral. Uh, and uh, I also went on just to check the likes. Just to show you how big a deal it was, 83 of my friends had liked it. So, yes, I did count up to 83. It's quite sad. <laughs> it, it was massive. It, 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 the amount of people that must have seen it would be really interesting because you posted that like on your profile. You won't have an ability to see the sort of reach, you know, the actual total reach it got out to. But if it was a page, it'd be really cool to see. Yeah. Um, no, it was. I, I don't know. I just started panicking because it got so big. But my dad was there, like, "Oh, it, it's it's great though. You like you've proven a point." And I'm like, "Yeah." And like, but the thing is, I don't know when it was getting so many. I was like overwhelmed a little bit, and I was a bit like, "Oh my god!" But no, it it was good. It was really good. But no, I'm forever the carrot girl. I <laughs> own that quite proudly. It's it's perfect, as you say, with the color. <laughs> Yes, it's, uh, it's, it's worked really well. Um, and just for reference, to, to sort of give you an idea of the total reach it would have been, I had a post last year that got out to, oh, I think it was 320,000, and it had 400 shares. Yeah. So that's an idea. You're well into the millions. Well yeah, into geez. Um, Yeah, which is, which is mad. I mean, not a little bit jealous at all, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, you said, you said there, Amy, um, that is absolutely possible to make a Christmas dinner from uh, from British produce. Now that's absolutely true, and I uh, I'm going to do a hopeless plug of one of the things I've made back at Christmas. Uh, if you go onto BBC the Social, which is a sort of Scottish content creators part of the BBC, uh, I did a driving home for Christmas, picking up a Christmas dinner. So I live in Dumfries, and my mum and yeah. dad are from Aaron, and uh, I sort of did that 157 mile drive, and I picked up the turkey, the Brussels sprouts, the carrots, the everything on the way, which was good fun. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was it was quite good crack at, so I'll send you the link after. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, if anyone else wants to go and check it out, um, that's there too. But here, yeah, this isn't about me and picking up a Christmas dinner as much as I really do want one now. Um, it's the best meal of the like the entire year, though. So <laughs> it is, and and now we're on it. I'm going to ask you the question: Do you like turkey any other day of the year? See, we're a bit controversial because we do have goose. As our Christmas dinner. Okay, yep. That's that's not over controversial. I get that. So I, I do prefer goose, but no turkey. I don't know. We just usually have chicken instead. We'll have turkey sometimes in like a stir fry or something. But no, it, my dog is going nuts because she can probably. She's just old, so just ignore her. Absolutely fine. You can come and join in if you want. Um, I should probably will in a minute. <laughs> it's it's just funny. I mean, it's such a seasonal product. Um, I really, I really need to get like a sort of major turkey producer on at some point for Christmas time. Uh, but it's it's quite interesting how it's you know you think of products like Brussels sprouts, yeah. um, strawberries are very seasonal. But the thing is that makes it so interesting with turkeys is they don't have to be. You know, like they they don't have a it's, growing. Yeah, season it's so kind of specialized <laughs> to one day. Yeah, it's mental. Yeah, it's, it is a strange. It must be really annoying if you're a turkey farmer and you sort of just delay. The growth weight slightly and you're like anyway yes we've spoken about christmas dinner we've spoken about you going viral and we're only about two minutes in um 
Amy, could you tell us a bit about the farm at home? You're currently at home, uh, your dad's away and uh, things went wrong this morning, but could you tell us about the actual place? <laughs> it always goes wrong when he's away. It, they, the cows know, the machines know, everyone knows. So they just, they're all against me, but no. <laughs> um, so the farm at home is a tenant farm. We are in Lancashire, but we're technically only half an hour away from Liverpool, the greatest city in the world. It gets a bad rap, but it's very nice you should all come um no so the farm is actually we have 800 acres of arable growing wheat barley oilseed rape and maize and grass for the cattle and then the beef side we have around eight per 600 cattle on so we buy in from four local dairy farmers and rear all the way through so we get them at two weeks of age and they stay until they're ready to go and the cattle is a little bit different in the way we rear them just because we graze a lot of salt marshes around our local area, the RSPB owned salt marshes. So we do a lot of kind of try and help them back with biodiversity, that kind of thing. So yeah, they all get turned out in May and they come back in October, hopefully if they can swim. And <laughs> We've had some close calls, but no, it is, I really like it out there. It's something I really enjoy is kind of talking to the RSPB about the birds and what the kind of cattle do to help them and that kind of thing. So, yeah. What What is the relationship there between birds and birds and cattle? So we, the RSPB set off, we are only allowed kind of one cattle per three acres. It is a vast area. So we put them out, but basically having the cattle there raises the grasses down. It also helps increase kind of beetle bugs numbers in the kind of when they have a poo. And that's what kind of helps the birds the most is increasing the food, increasing kind of clearing the, making the grass as perfect as possible for the habitat, if that makes sense. If it was just left wild, which there is areas of it that's just completely like, wild completely they do say there's less animal, less species in those areas than there are where the cattle are so that's good right, okay brilliant yeah and is there anything to, to, is that purely biodiversity is there anything to do with carbon sequestration in that or is that um it is something we're not into it's just at the minute i don't know if you agree with me but this whole carbon stuff it's so unregulated at the minute to the point because we supply quite a few supermarkets, they've heard about what we do. And the salt marshes are obviously a very, very good carbon sink. So mm -hmm. they want to kind of get involved, but you can do one carbon kind of, I can't remember what they're called, like surveying how much carbon you can store. <clears throat> That's the one. And um, you can come up with one number and then you can do another one for someone else and they come up with a completely different number. There's kind of no standardisation at the minute. So it's a bit, you kind of just need that standardisation across the board and then it's something you could jump into, if that makes sense. I mean, you said, do I agree with you? I 110% agree with you on that. I've said on the R2Cast a few times with different people like that I think we all agree with reducing carbon emissions and in any form of emissions i think that's quite clear but the issue like you say is the main issue is the, the choosing the same calculator i mean in scotland we use agri mainly with sac i don't know what you use down there but that 
there's so many different calculators some include protein output some don't so there's so many different things and it's and it's um you're right until we have a, a standardized process that we're all in the same boat um we're i don't know where this carbon discussion goes um so i i i can see the reason for sort of delaying jumping into audits and stuff like that until you yeah. know there's and it's also stuff like you get told, um, oh, they're worth your carbon points are worth so much hit now, but if in five years they'll be worth this, and you're like, well, it's so new that we'd rather know everything we can about it before you kind of gamble your business with it. If that makes sense, so no, no, totally. It's it's becoming a it's becoming a cryptocurrency, and uh, yeah. <laughs> I've said a few times, like I mean, I'm. I don't do crypto. I have mates that do, and I think about three weeks ago, it utterly crashed. And uh, I think the difference between this being a crypto and 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 not quite being the same is there is also that tangible thing of the the hectare of ground you've bought. But it, it just leads to people like I don't know Jeff Bezos, for example, buying up acres of of woodland that were already woodland. And as I've said so many times, nothing changes. <laughs> it's like a- Microsoft isn't it Microsoft who bought a massive farm out in Australia to probably yeah just for the carbon sink that's how they're going to balance it and you're like well does it work like that the the thing is now Microsoft looks better but yeah Microsoft is better but that all that's changed is money that's the only yeah. thing that's changed. Uh, there's, there's, there's no better for the environment. It, it just, it's just buying sort of betterness for your business. And like, like an example there, I think Bill Gates is now like the seventh largest landowner on the planet. So he absolutely might be the one that's bought, bought up uh, part of Australia. But uh, yeah. in Scotland, our largest private owner is Anders Paulson, who's the owner of uh, uh, ASOS. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and he's just buying up, buying up, buying up, buying up. And now he's got 235,000 hectares. Uh, out of the seven million in Scotland, you know, so it's like four percent or three percent or something like that. Oh and, no, I can completely relate. We've um recently, Mister Home and Bargain has bought. We were sold, uh, kind of right. as our so he has bought five thousand acres here, and then he just seems to be collecting around us as well. So yeah, it's all it's it's. It just makes it harder as a young person, I think, coming into farming. But what can you do? <laughs> well, you're you're right. Speaks kind of thing. Yeah, and, and it's a shame. Maybe it's not a shame that money talks or money speaks. It's always going to be the case. But getting into farming, as we know, is already difficult enough. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a bloody challenge. Yeah, and I've had quite a few folk on here that, I've, I've got into farming from nothing and I hugely commend them. I mean, that is an insane challenge, like you're saying. When, that, when that's just made literally impossible, it's, it's a shame. Um, but has, has that has that impacted you guys on the farm? Um, so <coughs> it was very scary. Basically, we got, it was 2021, um, March, I think. We were owned by the Church Commission. And they came at the end of March and said, you've been sold. Uh, there was no prior warning. No, nothing. Wow. Um, there's been rumours, but you don't know who to believe with rumours. So we were sold. And then it was kind of, it was just scary because you don't know what the plan is. 
so like you've been sold fair enough but is he wanting to keep it as a farm is he wanting to just plant trees on it is he just wanting because it is we're on mossland so it is a very good carbon sink if that makes sense um so and it was a bit bittersweet because 2020 went during lockdown it sounds really ridiculous but it was the one time i've ever gone and went i don't want to be anywhere else like i want to be here this is kind of why would i want to be anywhere else when the world was shut off i was quite happy here with my cows and yeah um so it was a bit bittersweet and then it did get to the point my dad kind of sat me down and was like if we're not here anymore do you have like a plan of what you're gonna do and I was like well no <laughs> like but it it kind of pushed me to do the things that I've gone on to do just because I thought if I have my foot in a few doors it'll help if anything does happen but no so far we've just been told to carry on as we are so which is great touch wood yeah um, sure. but no it was it was just the uncertainty was definitely and especially my dad was quite angry about it because he's he took over the farm when he was just 23 when my granddad died and he's put his everything into it money his whole life into this place kind of thing and I think you felt a bit like you could have at least told me like but no it was no it's we've been told to just carry on they seem to like us hopefully um so yeah We'll just have to wait and see. But. Yeah, well, well, fingers crossed because because it, it sounds like a good system which we're going to get into. Um, the so are you third generation? Was your yeah third yeah. generation? My uh, granddad, not grandma and granddad came in the sixties. So, and they've because it was moss, they completely kind of got it to where it is now. It was literally just kind of boggy. They've drained it and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Oh yeah. It's quite funny. I mean, I've I've had I've had quite a lot of folk on that have tenancies that their grandfather or their father or their mother, not normally grandfathers and fathers, to be honest, um, took on in the sixties. Always in the sixties. Like, yeah, you must <laughs> it was a big time. Of, well, I think it was a time when it was easy. You know, it, yeah. we're not going to be sitting here in twenty sixty and talking about the million people that got into the tenancies in the twenty twenties. Like, it's just not no, going to be. Definitely um, not. <clears throat> um, but yeah, uh, the looking back a bit, I sort of flew off and went to a few different places there, which is interesting. But um, let, let's look at the beef system first. How how does that run? So we buy our four local dairy farmers. We buy. It used to be that we were half commercial, half black and white bulls for Butela. Um, but as sex humans come in, our dairy farmers have chosen to use sex semen because they get the beef calves that we'll pay more money for obviously so we've literally now are pretty much all blues and anguses we get a few cinnamon tails a few chevrolets coming through but no um the black and white bulls if any come through we just castrate them because you can't find a pen for them in winter you can't because you have to keep them so separate if we've got five well it's not worth it so we've just started castrating them all so we, we, uh, we have a robotic feeder now for our calves, which is amazing. Saves me so much work. Um, <laughs> I was at one point feeding 80 calves a day. So yeah, a lot. Enjoy. So like, yeah, so this is amazing. 
but no, we re so they spend usually most of them get two summers outside and then they'll go. Um, but we basically rear them all the way through. They go on the marshes. It depends how old they are, how strong they are, which marsh they go on to, because we have more sheltered ones. Once we turn them out and we won't see them for six months and hope they come back. Um, so the biggest, strongest ones come back. <laughs> but no, we are, uh, yeah. And then obviously, because we have the arable side, we basically try and provide everything they eat. So the barley, the maize, the grass. Um, what else do we go? No, that's that's the main ones that go into the ration. So we all make all our own rations. And yeah, keep keep them going. Hopefully, have you got like a like a, a a plant for making those rations, or do you just mix them as you would in a wagon? Just in a wagon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, good stuff. And the I've I've got a few questions about the marshes, but uh, we'll get into them in a minute. See the the automatic feeder. How mm -hmm. how is that from a cleanliness perspective? What 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 cleaning's involved there? Because that's always the big challenge. Yeah. So. It does, it does clean twice a day itself. So it'll clean at two o'clock in the afternoon, two o'clock at night. Um, but it does need to be still kept on top of because when it says it cleans itself, it's like more where the teats do have a spray disinfectant. So every time a car walks in, it'll clean the teat, but it doesn't clean around it, if that makes sense. And I, I am a little bit OCD, so like everything has to be clean. So like, I'd say like once a week I go around and like proper scrub everything and kind of thing, but usually it keeps itself clean. It's a lot, I'd say it's a lot more hygienic than when we were on buckets. Right, OB, yeah. Yeah, so no, but I it, it saved us so much work. Like I, I, it was getting to the point I was spending all morning just feeding calves and when you've got the arable side as well, it's a hard when like the combines are all in and dad's like, where are you? I'm like, well, still got 10 calves to feed kind of thing. But no, it's definitely, it's been worth the money, we would say, for definitely what we do and the amount we do. It's definitely been worth the money that we put into it kind of thing. So, yeah. It is one of those jobs, isn't it? Whenever you speak to anyone that's not been to a farm, now I'm, I'm from a beef and sheep farm, but very much more sheep. And uh, yeah. talk to the lambs, and they're like, oh, can I come feed the lambs? Can I come feed the lambs? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> bring your friends. <laughs> yeah, but see, like everyone during lambing is like, oh yeah, I've got loads of pet lambs. I'm like, you've only got them like this period. <laughs> like, they're always here a big undertaking that um so you're you're taking them on at two weeks and, and you maybe already answered this amy but just sort of trying to write things down and stuff what age are you said two summers what age will they roughly be going away so we find anguses finish faster uh, especially if they come off the marshes so they'll be around 18 months a few of them go a bit earlier uh blues take a bit longer i'd say they are probably around 22 to 24 months when they go right. Um, on the like, so just just for folk listening, you know, the, and to be honest, myself as well, <laughs> say for folk listening, so it looks like I know what I'm talking about. Um, the bring them in at two weeks. How long? I take it. I take it they'll be inside for quite some time. Um, maybe maybe all the time. I don't know. I don't know what your process is. Are they are they inside? I assume they're staggered in groups. You know, two week old moving four week old. How how does that work? 
So we do, the feeder has basically two pens and we collect every two weeks, which <laughs> makes it even more confusing. Flow short. Um, <laughs> <laughs> two weeks. Um, so we basically just batch them. So there might be two pens that go together. So that's probably 40 together. Yep. And then you go, they all stick together all the way through, if that makes sense. So we do, they just kind of shimmy around the yard. And then some of them will, most of them will go out probably at six months old for okay. one summer. And then we'll, the following summer, they'll go on the marshes kind of thing. So, yeah. Just... And the marsh. And the marshes though it's it's interesting i worked i worked in essex for two summers and um if if you look up the marshes in essex it's it's called the marshes it's, it's about a six and a half thousand acre farm and that's where i was and to me <clears throat> the marshes were not what i think of when i think of marshes so when you're saying marsh what does this look like now you are saying if they come back is that is that a true thing do some <laughs> not come back or is that yeah <laughs> there's a black loss yeah yeah yeah, yeah no so Basically, we have three marshes we use. The first one is a massive shared marsh on the Ribble Estuary. Um, it is. It used to be able to hold around two thousand cattle. It's a shared. Yeah, so it's it's basically. I think it's the closest you'll get to like the American Plains in so the that's, that, that must be six thousand acres then, because it's what is it? Oh like yeah, it's, it's yeah. huge, huge, yeah. huge, huge. <laughs> um, so we that we they've now put it down to 800 but that's more because it's due to tv restrictions they can't get the scottish farmers that used to come and the welsh farmers that used to bring them as well um so that's basically a lot of different farmers and there's like one manager man who checks on them every so often goes out but we turn them out and like we don't see them until september when they come home um they usually do come back. They have to be heifers because no one wants any accidents mm -hmm. down there. Because if one person has one ball, there's a lot of cows out there, kind of thing. So yeah, and they're not all yours. So no, they have, we have a big clearing day, and we'll basically all the farmers will go and help. They have massive pens, huge, 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 huge pens to sort all these cattle into, and yeah clear them all out and take them home but and then this other marshes we have is we have one where we put 100 bullets on, of our bullets on so they go out um there's the coast road in the middle the outmarsh and then the sea so it looks like from where i stand it looks like i could walk to blackpool i wouldn't recommend it you'd probably get stuck in sick quick stand or something so that's literally just go head straight out to sea and then there's tunnels under the coast road onto the other side that the cattle can walk through to go onto the other side if the sea comes in. So they have to learn when the sea comes yeah. in, which they do. They learn it quite fast. Like, wow. You go out and move them very often. Only if there's a, like, they call them a phenomenal tide. So 14 metres is huge. That would flood the entire outmarsh. So you have to bring them into the in-marsh. Um, and then the other one we have is a lot smaller one, but it has a lot more of the bird spotting yeah. wooden boxes around everywhere. And that is the water comes underneath the road to it, if that makes sense. So 
yeah, that's quite a bit smaller, but that's where kind of younger stuff goes because they're not likely to go swimming in the sea. <laughs> I mean, no. well, that's quite surreal. I mean, like, is it, is it, um, the, the gather must be quite something. Is that a bit of a social event as well, or is that? Um, so the big one, they tend to just invite a few people to actually gather them in, just to keep them calm. But then the sorting them out is quite fun. It's like a big kind of a lot of like, yo, you can't keep up, like, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but when we do ours, it sounds really bad, but because all ours are dairy crosses and I've read them from two weeks of age, I just shout them and they'll follow me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like my pets, so literally I'll walk out, shout them, and they'll all follow me back to the pens. So dad would be a bit screwed without me, but <laughs> it works. We did used to have sucklers, but it was, we had limmy crosses and the worst catch we ever had. We were running around for four hours. We could not get them in the pens. <laughs> and it was just chaos. It was horrendous. We got so- and we had two calves, but accidental calves born, of course, on the marsh, and we got stuck in gullies. Aren't you? Sorry. Right, no, but she's... Yeah, so mine will follow me, but the sucklers were the worst thing. That, it was that, that was kind of the final straw. We were like, no. Plus, we didn't have the grazing for them through winter, because where we are, it's very arable central, or potatoes, or... Yes. And there's no kind of grass for them through winter, so and we didn't have the buildings to keep them in, so no, we just went to all dairy bread. So yeah, no, it's a lot easier catching them now. They all think they're big pets. It's just when they get to like <laughs> this tall and they still think they want a cuddle, you're a bit like oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <No. laughs> can can you like can you like get a quad or a, a motorbike or something like that out, or or is it just is that not advisable? Not really. We have had everything and anything stuck out there. So no, we've um we've tried, but it, it's the gullies are quite unpredictable because they change year on year. The big long wide ones are okay. Usually they'll be quite shallow, but it's the narrow ones that will be like six, seven foot deep, and you'll if something goes in it, you're a bit screwed kind of thing. But no, the worst, talking of my dad being away, the worst thing I've ever had happen while dad was away, um, we had some Ursha bullocks for some reason. They were like someone's pets that they'd rang dad up and gone, oh, can you take these? And he was like, right, right, okay. And Urshas are known for swimming. I did not know this before then, but this, this bullock had jumped in. Dad was away and I just got a phone call off my dad saying, Oh, it's it's fine. Don't worry about it. There's just some apparently there's one in the gully. It's fine. Just go and have a look. Take like my car. So I did. Got there. There was two fire engines and a fire and rescue van. And they had decided to treat it as a practice uh rescue. Uh so I walked out to them because you can't like it was a Sunday morning as well, obviously. I was like, right, okay. Walked out and they went, Is this your cow? And I was like, Yeah, that's mine. And he was like, are we doing this right? And I was like, well, you're going to pull it out onto the wrong side, so he'll just jump back in to get to his mates. I'm like, oh, right, right, okay. And then they didn't really like me that much because I don't think they liked kind of taking instruction from a girl very much. And I was like, all right, okay, I'll get it out. Because they put a halter on, but it was kind of choking it. So it was just 
not having it. And um, I ended up ringing my sister's bro- boyfriend at the time and said, oh, can you just bring the, dif- like, bring the telehandler? I'll get it out. Oh, he rang me back. There's no diesel in that. I was like, oh, right. Okay. Is there any diesel in the yard? He was like, no. I was like, for God's sake. <sighs> Luckily, my dad's tractor had the flotation tires on because we were from the moss. So he brought that. And um, as soon as he started, to, he came. All the firemen were like talking to him like he knew what he was doing. I was like, right, okay. So I just right, tied it up, pulled it out myself. And then this bullock stuff and was like, not happy. But they all ran off. And it still had this rope around its neck. So I'm there, like, with it in a headlock trying to get it on. And I was like, firemen, they're not that brave. Some of them. <laughs> just not. I was like, right, fine. Leave me alone. Go home. And then yeah. as we were driving back, the tractor got stuck. And I was like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> like, you know. That just sounds like one of those, when will this be over? <laughs> yeah, just make it end. Make it um, end. Yes, but, that, that sounds. Um, that sounds it's, it's funny when you say about the sort of the the uh, trying to trying to shed all the stock and get who's as who's. I don't know if you've heard of um, Farm Life Iceland on Instagram. Uh, I think know. I've seen it. Yeah. 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 So Paulina, I think she's got like eighty or ninety-five thousand. Uh, followers or whatever um she's on iceland funnily enough don't think i need to say that and uh, they talk about retier which is is um basically they have a, a common ground of, of thousands and thousands of hectares and then come gathering time it is the biggest session history <laughs> like yeah. we're, we're talking like two weeks of right let's get the sheep and then bugger off the pub yeah with it. Uh, yeah, so if, if you want to hear a bit about that, it's, it's uh, I think it's Cast 19, about halfway through, but uh, it sounds quite similar. Um, jumping over to the animal side, uh, Amy, you, you mentioned, uh, was it wheat, barley, OSR and something? Uh, just maize and grass in the rotation. <clears throat> we do rent out as well some carrot ground and some potato ground just to keep it in the rotation, but yeah. yeah. And the from what you said about what goes into the the rations, I take it the wheat and the OSR has been sold. For, yeah. Yep. Yeah, they yeah. get sold separately. Pay some bills. Well, that's it. That's it. How has I'm going to throw in the dreaded question here? Fertilizer impacted things. We are quite lucky, I would say, because we do have the cattle side. Yeah. We have the box muck. So we've never, compared to what some people use, ours is lower. So we're lucky in that aspect, but it's still a massive amount. So when we're having to pay, I think it's 10 grand a month off our fertilizer bill, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like, at least we have the cattle as well, because we send cattle all the way around. So that's money coming in to help pay for the fertilizer bill, because the crops... It's like anything in farming. You were paying for this this fertilizer and these crops to go in the ground, but you're not going to see a return on these crops until kind of October, December time, kind of thing when you sell them. So no, we're um, it's it's been insane. It's it's been. I think the way well, the way my dad puts it is very well is very good. It's he's dealing with numbers he's never had to deal before. Mm-hmm. And that's a very, very scary thing. And he says, it just feels like this big bowl. And you just keep spilling it and turning it. And it keeps getting bigger and bigger. And you're just like, but no, we are lucky that we do have kind of the cattle side. 
So that muck has definitely been the best thing. Um, but no, it's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. The numbers. And the thing is, I don't think it's going to end. It sounds bad. I don't think it's going to end next year. It's going to be a thing that carries on. Well, I agreed. I mean, I'm I'm normally an optimist. I genuinely am. I think in, in general, yeah. I hear um, But I never see fertilizer going down to, you know, not even near where we were used to. I don't see it going down to double or two and a half times where we were. You know, I don't see it going less than 500. No. They, they want rid of it. They want rid of the Haber brush process. They want that done. Um, and and it's an easy target. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a worrying prospect. Luckily, you guys are in the position that you sort of you know got round that. But but still, it's yeah, it's a it's a scary one. I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R Two Cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, the Scottish Farmer. And I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. Um, you've got you've got the OSR. How are you guys doing with establishment? Is that going all right? Yeah, so OSR, we kind of do so straight in. Well, we do work. So we do, we have a discoriator is what we call it. So that's basically lifts up any compaction in the bottom, kind of, if we spread muck, it'll work the muck in at the top. And then we'll just sew straight into that. That's basically how we establish it. It seems to work for us. It, moss is a very unpredictable soil type. It's a bit like flour. Um, if you get it wet, it turns into glue. And if you get it too dry, it just blows away. So it's, yeah, it's a bit different to anywhere else. But no, it's it seems to work for us. This year looks touch wood, very, very good. Um, but everything looks quite good this year, though, touch wood. Yeah. But no, um, it seems to work for us that way. We don't direct drill, mainly just because completely direct drill is because moss is known for growing just weeds. And right. I think weed control would be very, very difficult in direct drill, especially with the price of sprays going up and kind of them banning everything they want to <laughs> so but are you spraying a lot um not really my dad my, basically my dad is the person to talk to about sprays I don't have my certificates yet so yeah. but no um <laughs> he, he jokes because we do quite a bit of late established late sewing winter stuff so whereas a lot of people on the east side will probably put have everything in by like end of September, October, we're still sewing towards the like last week in February. Oh, right. okay. Yeah. So we'll we'll get some in, in November, don't get me wrong, but we'll carry on if we can till last week of February. And we just find especially in on a more kind of moist side of the country. <laughs> um, it helps kind of just miss kind of certain diseases off and mm -hmm. kind of, whereas you could spray in for all sorts early on. We don't have to do that, if that makes sense. 
But well, I'm sure half of the audience that hate the word moist have just left. I know. <laughs> I was just thinking, I hate that word. Why did I use it? It's such a horrible word, and it's it's the word that everyone hates. Um, so if you're still with us, uh, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> um, everyone. <laughs> I, I, I'm guessing the answer to this question is going to be no, given what you've just said. But have you started the harvesting rapeseed or no? No, we are probably two weeks away. Do you spray, spray off? Yeah. yeah. Two weeks away from spraying off, or, or are you spraying off at the moment? Oh, no, he'll so basically, he's away now. He'll spray off when he comes home. So then two weeks after that, we'll be off. But right. he's home on Monday, I think. I don't just know, right. whenever it turns off. <laughs> Whenever it turns up, yeah, when everything starts to go well again. Yeah. yeah. Um, just, just for reference, for those of you listening, it's the 8th of July today, so uh, that, that gives you an idea of where we are. Um, I'm just saying that because this won't be going out today, Amy. So, uh, yeah, yeah. that's uh, <laughs> um, I had something to say. What was it? Uh, yes, you mentioned your dad a couple of times. Um, is it just you and your dad or is there other stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a lot idiots. of work. Yeah, we are idiots. Um, completely. Um, but no. So we did take on an extra hundred hundred acres this year. Well, because you didn't Yeah. Um, but we basically we got through drilling it all, and then he, I was like, "We're going to need someone for summer," and um, we're like. Yeah, but now we're two weeks away and no one's turned up. But we're quite lucky. My sis, like all of my siblings and my mom, know how to drive a tractor. Like right. especially during lockdown, that is what we did. They, like everyone, learned. So no, my sister's just fin- one of them's just finished her A levels, so she's going to be. Oh, she. She is going to be kind of the main tractor driver kind of thing right. but she's going to be driving the baler so yeah is it all your own kit is it all yeah. yeah yeah so the only thing we get contractors in is for spreading muck and for um uh harvesting the maize so yeah right. oh yeah of course different yeah of course um what combine have you got i'm sure some people will be interested oh jeez what's the number on the side of it massey ferguson I couldn't help you with numbers on masses. I could help you with just about any other. <laughs> I'm rubbish at numbers. Oh, I'll find out. I'll find and out. Is, is, the, is the Baylor a Massey as well? No, it's a McHale. My McHale God. Fusion 2. That's my baby. I might have been able to help you with the number if it was a Massey on the Baylor side. Yeah. Or something like that. I couldn't have done it on the, uh, on the combine side. Um, it's funny if any of my mates are listening to this. I did two harvests, two arable harvests, and absolutely loved it. But yeah. that is all I've done. <laughs> yeah. That side of things, and like they're all like, you know, we go to farm sales and stuff, and like, oh yeah, that's a forty-eight twenty-three, you know this. How do you know all this? How, oh how no, well I feel bad because I actually like review some machinery, but everyone asks me things, and I'm like, I'm just not got the numbers brain. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I re- like I do some work for like, a, uh, basically they use my pictures and stuff, and I do like reviews for them for a local kind of um dealership right. but yeah I was, I'm just not a numbers person I'm like I know my tractor number and then 
when I when they describe it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know that one. Yeah. But I'm just yeah. like, I'm just like, oh, numbers, dyslexic. I'm like, no. Well, it's funny you say that. I am a numbers person, but the number has to mean something. Now, like, so for instance, Matthew Ferguson 7718, 180 horsepower tractor makes sense in my head, but some of them, I, well, there must be some of them, but they just don't in my head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I struggle with that. And, and when you say they use your photos, um, I asked Amy uh, for a photo of herself so I could sort of put like a, a little post out on Instagram, bringing Amy on, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, have you heard of her, that, that sort of jazz? And Charles didn't notice the photo of yourself part and sent me some absolutely gorgeous photos, which I'll try and show the camera. Oh, they're absolutely lovely. I realise I can't zoom in enough on the combine to actually see what uh, what combine it is. But um, yeah, there's some better. So if you want to go see some really, really good farmy photos, I keep saying farmy photos when I ask folk for the thumbnail photo. I don't even know farmy <laughs> photos the word. Um, Check out uh, Amy Ginge Wilkinson on, on Instagram. There's some really well, good ones. Actually, it's quite good. Basically, I started taking pictures because I never knew what to get my dad for Christmas. So I'd make him a calendar for Christmas. I think it's like back here somewhere. Oh, yeah, um, you can see it. I still yeah, make yeah. it. Um, so I take pictures throughout the year, and that's how I started posting them on Instagram. And then the dealership used to still runs a calendar competition. So I'd enter my pictures in. And um, it kind of got to the point where, like, Amy, we can't use all these. Like, we need to let other people have a chance. And I was like, right, okay. And they're like, well, we'll pay you. Like, we'll pay you to do it. I was like, okay, I'll do that. I can do that. Worked out. <laughs> yeah. So you just, like, you never know. Like, anything can lead to anything. Like, I've done some insane things. And I only work at home. Some insane yeah. stuff. But, no. Just, just on the photos, do you take them on your phone or do you use a camera? I do have a big camera, but I don't use it very much because I break it. But I do just use my phone. But I do have quite a posh Samsung with like five cameras, but I don't know yeah. how they work most of the time. I've figured well, out just, a bit of it. The, well, I don't have a Samsung. I, I absolutely cannot stand Android. But um, the, I've got the 13 Pro Max iPhone. Well, it's the, thing, it's the same thing. They're amazing. I don't think you need a big camera a lot of the time. I think if the phones have got to that level that it is kind of achievable with just your phone, but no, it's something I enjoy. So yeah, it just got me another job. So we'll, we'll, we'll just talk about that in two seconds. Um, just, just on the camera thing, it's quite an interesting one. Cameras are always a thing that in my head, they have a ceiling because you can't make it more real than real. Yeah. yeah. You, can, you can enhance, but that's different. The camera itself has a ceiling, and, and you're asking sort of what they do. The thing to notice is there's obviously the three parts. Yours has got whatever many. The thing has got five with two other holes. I don't know what they do, but yeah. um, if, see if you if you just have the camera on and zoom in, you'll see it jump. Yeah. So it's 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 like that. That's it's. I can't believe how good the zoom is on that camera, and it and it you know. It's on a thing you're buying anyway. Yes, yeah, I know they're expensive, but uh, still, they're they're very good. Well, there's actually a story to how I treated myself to this phone. I was actually, I got paid to do be in a little TV advert that is still on telly. Excellent, excellent. So yeah. Tell us about it. Oh, 
Basically, it came about, I'm part of the little beef group, um, grassroots beef group. I got asked to do it. It was by someone I went to college with. Um, he said, I thought you'd be really good. So we do supply done by it, kind of through them. And I got asked to do that. And then I think they just sent all our pictures off. And I think they just saw like big ginger hair and went, she looks different. And then, <laughs> kind of went all have her and it was the weirdest experience of my entire life I got the first class train tickets down to London I um spent two nights in London we had one day shooting which she literally all I did all day was sit there until they needed me and then all I did was sit on like this trolley and pretend to drive a tractor because if you watch it all I do is come on screen in a yellow wooden tractor and there was this bloke big bloke just pushing me across this like studio and I'm there like this is the weirdest thing I've ever done and it was just like so out of my comfort zone like there's so many different people and I never knew how many people were involved in that kind of thing but it was insane but I was just there like so overwhelmed it was like just after kind of lockdown wasn't or was or was or wasn't a thing and I was just like I've been on a farm for like two years and now you want to come to the middle of London and like I was dressed in full-on farmer gear as well so I had my dealer boots and my polo shirt and everything on because that's what they wanted and I was literally and then they were like like they wanted us all to go out for like lunch dinner in my words um, and they took me to this place and it was like obviously like a really cool place in London and I'm there like I was looking at the menu and all I saw was like rainbow bowl and I was like well let's try and eat this so I ordered it and um it was basically a posh salad I was like well why didn't they just say posh salad <laughs> <laughs> but no it was it was very good um but it's definitely something I'll never do it again probably never get the opportunity to do again but it was incredible you never know you might be TV's yeah. Jeremy Clarkson which is funny now, now I mentioned him um, have you seen Clarkson's farm yes that's one thing that everyone asks me in London well yeah about. because it's the only thing they know about farming yeah <laughs> uh, this has given me major Caleb Cooper going to London vibes oh it was <laughs> it was I was so lost I was literally I, ca I captioned it Caleb Cooper and the worst thing was I was on the train down and you know, like you're going past like somewhere, someone's smoke spreading, obviously. And everyone like on the train's going, oh, and I'm there going, yeah, pig. Definitely pig shit that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 My comfort zone. <laughs> it feels like home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As, well, for the viewers and also myself, um, is there a way to YouTube this advert? Um, I think just type in it's currently on telly actually. So if you I've never watched it, telly before. Yeah, if you just type it in a little advert, it probably come up, I think. But oh yeah. no. It, I was so nervous to do that. I was terrified. But um, <laughs> we did it. We did it. Yeah, exactly. And here, there's there's so many things. It sounds like you've really filled in a lot of things into into life. And I'm very much of the opinion, say yes to things. Exactly. If, I am always this. Yeah, if it goes wrong, goes wrong. Who cares? But it it never does, you know. It, like yeah, you know. Well, that's it, the thing. My um, my my dad says you've lived quite the life already, 
and it's more like I've just gained so many experiences saying yes has got me so many different things like I've um I've worked uh, so after I did college uh at college at my school we did quite a few trips kind of we did Texas we did Canada Western Canada we were meant to do Israel but obviously Trump that was when Trump kicked off and it, it didn't happen um but so I really like Canada so once I finished my co- like degree I decided to go out to try for my kind of visa to go work over there and I got my visa and I applied for a few jobs and there was just one that stuck out a little bit and I was like well we can go for it like give it a go it won't happen but it was basically a chuck wagon racing team which is a rodeo sport right you have four X racehorses on the front of a little wooden wagon and they go around in a figure of eight and then they have the half a mile of hell, which is the race to the end. So there's four kind of people racing at the same time, but it's insane. And anyway, I, um, I applied for it. I've never been a horsey girl. I don't have a horse. I'm not, I just thought, no, nah, there are big cows. It'll be fine. I'll apply. And yeah, I got it. <laughs> and I ended up in Canada, just, full-on cowboy everything um rodeos all sorts of stuff it was insane how long were you there for how long were you there for well I was meant to be there for a lot longer but I ended up re-breaking my foot out there and I didn't tell my boss but he could see I was limping (laughs) so I ended up going to hospital and they put me in have you ever watched those 600 pound life they put me in a wheelchair like that big I was like, this is a low point in my life, very low, but no, I was meant to go back out. I went out in 2019 and had to come home, so I was meant to go back out in 2020, but obviously that didn't happen, and then suddenly we are here. I'm so sorry, I feel like this has been utter chaos, not very professional at all, but... Entertainment. Entertainment. <laughs> oh, come here, can I say hello? See, this is, this is the pain. How she's, is it Flo, did you say? She's 12. 12? God. Yeah, she looks like a 84. Yeah, so she is the problem. She is the problem, not at all. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, ended up yeah, broken meant foot, to yeah. go back, but then obviously now I'm 26 and I'm trying to buy a house instead. <laughs> COVID kind of took like three years, didn't it? So it's, it's, it's Yes, I think only in the last few months do I feel like we're were not in COVID anymore, even though I had it two weeks ago and was insanely ill. Um, yeah. It's, but it's, yeah. Oh, it's, I was someone from day one. I was one of those people, not day one. I think we were all pretty scared for the first two months. And then after yeah. that, I was, can't be bothered with masks anymore. I don't care about lockdown anymore. And I am petrified of needles. So I didn't even want a vaccine. Um, yeah. I got one because I felt like I had to, but. Um, yeah, it was a it was a strange old time, and and so many people have, you know, like like you said, you came home and it was you just loved it. I, I was in that same position. I worked for Enterprise Rent a Car because you know that's what every agricultural yeah. Is. And uh, I, I then got furloughed and went home with my partner at the time, <coughs> back to my mum and dad's, and um, I just loved life. And because I had nothing to do, I ended up working from home. I got this job as a lecturer. I was able to rack up a lot of money really quickly and managed to buy a house over lockdown. And so yeah. lockdown fairness for myself has been pretty good, but it is also like not so many folks' lives back. And and it, it's been a, 
I always feel quite sympathetic for a lot of people through 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 this. Um, but yes, you you've fitted millions of things in, uh, Amy. One thing that uh, you mentioned, you started taking photos, and uh, they started paying you. Can you tell us a bit about <clears throat> and who that was with? Um, this is a company called Clark and Pullman, who are a Massey Ferguson Fent Honda. They're not Valtra anymore. JCB um, dealership. So it's right. basically one my dad has always dealt with um, since they opened in 2003. Very local, kind of. We've always known the boss, uh, Jed. Um, but no, it, it just kind of happened quite organic. Like, I don't know if organically the word is the word, but basically through me, it's quite similar to Farmer's Guardian, how I got that is... I was just posting these pictures kind of on Instagram and Facebook to make either a calendar or I was just trying to be funny or um, like telling them about life at home, especially during lockdown. Cause like when we were all here, cause I have four siblings. So there were, there were six of us in a house stuck together. Like it is quite entertaining. So now I post pictures and um, they basically just said, we really like kind of, how you take them we also really like kind of sounds big-headed but they just kind of said oh we like you as a person kind of thing so they um yeah it just kind of we had a meeting and they said if you do this kind of thing and we'll pay you like this amount kind of thing and I did a year of doing support let's see and peace support local which was basically I went around to local um farmers who were customers of them but maybe selling stuff to the public so I did lots of kind of there was like a caravan park there was um kind of beef boxes there was all sorts of different stuff I went to and kind of I'd interview them and they also have like a spring summer magazine and a autumn winter magazine and I'd kind of write them up and put them in there and I'd write up um kind of just bits and pieces about life on the farm really so yeah that's what I do with them so it's such a successful way I mean so just posting out there you know so many yeah. people, I've had a few people ask me like how do you start doing it and I'm like taking photos and post about it like it's really not yeah, a massive talk, talk like just talk to people yeah. it's a similar way like how I got with FG I was Literally, they put a Facebook, a thing on Facebook. And um, because, and like three people tagged me in it because of what I was posting, like just funny stories about family life at home. Yeah. And I ended up just emailing saying, because I did a day's work experience so ages and ages ago. And I didn't think anything would come of it. I just thought, if you like stuck, I'd, I'd give it a go. Like, um, but like, don't think don't if there's someone way better don't like don't worry um no editor ben the editor ben briggs got in touch and was like oh no i think you'd actually be really really good at it i was like okay so yeah that's just how that one started as well it's i think it's putting yourself out there is scary but like if you do it the like the rewards are definitely worth it and i i've come a long way like I respect people like you lecturers so much because before my ISCAR, I was a completely different person. I could never have spoke to people. I could never. So like if my lecturers, David 
Dave Singleton and Liz Lawrenson will ever listen to this. Thank you so much. I was so shy. I was, it was like just through school, and I was like the fat, the chubby ginger kid with glasses and braces. So it was like a struggle to believe that part, to be honest. Uh, yeah, but I, <laughs> I was so so shy. I was just it was horrendous. And then I went to my school and I just found what I was passionate about, and I got a really good group of friends. And yeah. Um, they kind of helped me put myself out there. Like the first kind of radio interviews I did, Mayuska put me up for them. And I remember I did one in Gisborne Auction Mart about Brexit, about what young people in farming think about Brexit. And then the NFU spotted me from that. And yeah, it just carried on from there. And yeah, it's just putting yourself out there. But no, Mayuska, I've always been really interested in kind of education of agriculture not just like in public that is so important but also kind of because I, I know I asked you a question last night when you're on your boots and heels kind of Instagram live but um especially like also the agriculture of kind of the education of agricultural students as well because it's just it gave me so much more confidence I was so shy it was embarrassing like I couldn't talk to people <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, and what, what was your question yesterday? I couldn't see the questions, only Becca could. Um, so it's basically, Mayuska asked me back to be on the, uh, the board last year, which was very nice of them. I didn't expect it. But it's basically helping to decide what students are taught, if it matches up to what the needs of okay. kind of the industry are. Um, so... I was asked to do that and through it um I was told that now they're trying to match up more a BTEC to an A level if that makes sense because mm -hmm. there are so many variations of BTEC uh all sorts of different stuff so they're trying so it's going to be called T levels but they are also thinking of making kit like 16 year old they are kids um young adults uh pick between doing crops and livestock at 16 years old <coughs> which I find really ridiculous because I didn't know which I preferred when I went yeah. when I was 16 if you and I've speak, spoken to my students about it it's also if you've never been on a farm before and you're just interested in a career in agriculture how are you meant to know um and also I spoke to students and it was like he went in, die-hard dairy, dairy farmer. Dad's a dairy farmer, granddad's a dairy farmer. And he's come out and he's done his degree and he's going to be um, an agronomist. He found he really liked crops. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, throughout my degree and everything, I tried, tried to keep everything I did as broad as possible kind of thing. So I did a dissertation on education um, and my degree is livestock and and livestock and crop sciences so I did both okay. but I just find it very and it's something you bring it up to like farmers and they have no idea that this is a thing that's being considered if that makes sense and you're a bit like but this is the next generation this is the people you're going to employ mm. and it's just the way the industry is going in a bit at the minute is I think we're being slightly nudged into a more kind of mixed farming regenerative farming kind of way 
so to have so such specialization i don't think is what the industry actually needs at the minute but well i think i think with with intense specialization you look down the idea of monoculture don't you you just by yeah. definition you start focusing on that one thing now yeah. i don't know if you heard my answer last night my answer is the same as what you've just said um yeah like yeah nonsense and now out of interest i also yet mentioned yesterday that another lecturer had, had messaged me and i could see he'd messaged me but i couldn't read what he said <clears throat> he sent me the details of someone that maybe was your lecturer or maybe he's joined since called hattie um hattie I can't remember, yeah. um, but she's she's at that that college, which I'm, I'm glad you've said first because I would have butchered the name. <laughs> I would have said it. Um, am I, have I got her name wrong? Maybe I have. Uh, her surname was McPhee. I can't remember her first name. Hattie, Hattie. Um, so I'm going to get in touch with her as well and have a chat about that as well. So that that sounds, um, yeah. you know, it sounds it sounds interesting. I hope that that's not something they go down. Yes, you can look at talking about specialisms, but not making it a, a complete thing. Um, on on the Farmers Guardian, do you write uh, every every issue, Amy, or how does that work? Uh, currently, it's every five weeks, which is quite good because to be every week would be quite intense. But no, it's it's something I quite enjoy doing. I never expected to really enjoy it as much as I do, but I just like writing these funny little stories. I try to be as lighthearted as possible because it's. The world's bad enough place. You don't need to hear me moaning about it as well. So if I can make someone smile, that's all I ever want. Um, but no, they seem to like me at FG. Uh, they've put me forward for all sorts of other stuff. So I spoke at Lama this year, which was oh, yeah. terrifying, but it was really good. Um, uh, yeah, I've been a judge at Lama as well for the Young Engineer Award, which was really good. Um, no, so it's just something I really enjoy. It's just silly little stories and it's surprising. I went to like uh, Gisborne Auction Mart yesterday and the number of people who just come up to me and go, there was like an old man came up to me and the last story, it was just like a funny story about I'd ripped my legs to pieces on brambles and stuff and I wasn't able to shave my legs and uh, some random kind of old fella came up to me and went, have you managed to shave your leg yet? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, no, like quite a few of the people came up to me yesterday and were like, oh, we really enjoy yours. And I was like, oh, thanks. Like, that means a lot. So, yeah, it's just something I really enjoy. And it's it's stuff you'll forget when you're kind of old and grey, isn't it? And to have it there written down, because I do yeah. have a proper notebook, it's, yeah, it means a lot kind of thing. So. Well, it certainly feels like you fill your time. Um, oh, yes, yeah. but always seems to be very busy. It's... But, I mean, you're, we're talking about all these million things you do and forget that you and your dad run this huge place on your own. Uh, well, not yeah. your, pretty much on your own. Right. Um, it's quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. um, am I right in saying you sell, uh, sort of like at the farm gate, you sell boxes of your... Yeah, so we started doing the beef boxes um, during lockdown because... It's kind of just a thing that took off in lockdown, wasn't it? And it's something we've always considered doing, being because you saw how big salt marsh lamb got. And I thought, well, could salt marsh beef kind of be the same? So we started um, just trying to do one once a month, but I've started doing it now just kind of when I can, if that makes sure. sense. We're not that busy, but I have a very sexy van, Vera the fridge van. 
um, that I deliver in. And yeah, it's all through social media. They People have taken interest. And then from there, we started supplying a local butchers and they use the name Southport Salt and Lodge Beef. And from there, they have been supplying um, a, a restaurant in Liverpool, which has just won, well, they came fourth in the best roast dinners in the UK well, using our beef. So yeah, it's amazing how kind of it, it took off really. And yeah, we've had a few meetings with a few other people who would quite like to stop us. So yeah, it mental how it just kind of took off, but people love the story of like them being RSPB marshes and kind of trying to help the birds and just, it's like salt marsh lamb just took off didn't it it was never a big thing and then everywhere you go there's salt marsh lamb so i thought we might as well give it a try and no people seem to really like it so there's yeah. there's got there's got to be something in my head that you can do with rspb there like i don't know real salt pb or no rspb real salt pb what can you do with r and p um i don't know i like to try and make these things in my head <laughs> Make no sense to anyone else, but is, is, where can we find that on social media, Amy? Uh, just Southport Salt Marsh Beef um, is on Instagram and Facebook, I believe. Yes. I shall look it up and give it a follow. Um, listen, it's been great to, to sort of chat. We've already spoke for over an hour. It does fly by. Um, oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, we're sitting about an hour and 10 minutes. Um, maybe with a few a few things to cut out uh, because uh, uh, the postie came in I'm such very time, sorry. Not a problem. Not a problem. I do. I if, if at this point number 50 isn't out go and watch number 50 when it's out which is a week today i when. saw on your instagram and your facebook and their facebook it was brilliant i mean they burnt food in the oven uh len was entertaining oh it was just it was good crack so here adds character adds character um and, and annoyingly everyone that listens and listens consistently knows the questions that come in um, Fortunately, most of the time, my guests don't, so I sort of catch them off guard. But from what I can understand, Amy's got this all written down or certainly ready for the questions. So written down? I know <laughs> what I think I'm going to say. I'm, I'm just, I'm going to be nasty now and just throw a different question. No, oh, I'm no, not. I'm not. <laughs> you can do it if you want. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I would, I would hate the fact that I think this will be the 78th interview I've done and uh for this to randomly not have those questions that would kill me inside so yeah. amy where do you see yourself in five years and if you had any tips for folk coming into farming and also it'd be quite good for you to talk about just taking on things um because you said a few years ago you were very shy and now you're yeah Kelly, you're a columnist that sort of thing what would they be so the first one five years time i'd still like to be farming here hopefully um and i'd still like to be just taking every opportunity that comes my way I want to be one of those old grandmas where they're like, the grandma, like, start speaking to their grandkids and they don't believe anything she says because it can't be real. Like, I'm going to be a nightmare to diagnose with dementia. Um, but no, it's that's kind of all I'd really like to be, especially I feel like this is definitely my home and where I want to stay. I enjoy what we do. Um, and then the other one, I did think about this one. So, but... So for, I'd say, work, be prepared to work hard, be prepared to maybe start from the bottom and work your way up, 
but for taking opportunities, I would say there's this film, it's called We Bought a Zoo, and it's Matt Damon and Scarlett Johansson in it. And that's not the point, but it's a scene where he's telling his kids like 20 seconds of incredible courage, just 20 seconds. And that's all you need is that 20 seconds of embarrassing bravery just to say yes. And so like, when you asked me to do this, I was a bit like, like, well, you've had loads of people on. I don't know if I can do it. I just said 20 seconds. I typed the message saying, yeah, I'll do it. I've listened to your podcast, blah, blah, sent it. And then you can worry about it after. So just 20 seconds, that's all it is. 20 seconds to go, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, fuck it, we'll do it. That That is all it is. So That's brilliant. I love that. Just uh, 20 seconds. That, just put yourself out there for 20 seconds and the rewards will just keep coming. So just be brave. I think that's one of the best yet. Really do. Oh, thanks. I didn't think about it. <laughs> you had an unfair advantage already. But no, that, that's brilliant. And do you know what's really weird, right? For some reason, you were saying there's a film, and for some reason I jumped straight to Goodwill Hunting, which is also Matt Damon. That's quite yeah. weird. That is like, a bit weird. And I'm not a film person at all. Like, uh, yeah. I have never heard of We Bought a Zoo. Uh, so, um, no, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And you know what I always love to hear, and just about everyone has said this, I don't think of anyone yet, that it'd be quite an awkward discussion if we did, but I love when people say doing the same thing. Yes, trying to do more, but if if, if in five years' time you ought to be doing the same thing, yeah, you're certainly in the same place, at least. That means you're in a good place. So I like to hear that. Very much like the tip, um, 20 seconds of embarrassing bravery. Brilliant. like that a lot. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, so, Amy, I hope you've enjoyed coming on the Archie cast. Uh, I hope you've had a good I time. Have. Sorry, it's been a bit chaotic. It's, it's absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. Some of the viewers won't even see some of it, so it's fine. Um, or, yeah. Do you know what? Some of it was so short, I probably won't edit it out. I might end up posting the charger, but that's it. Um, it's been great on you uh, as Well, as I said, I've, I've, I've not followed you for uh, 18 months, but I've sort of been aware of you. And uh, yeah, popped up on Instagram. And I was like, that's her. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> let, let's get her on. And uh, there, I also had I'd, I'd seen your name pop up with the Farmer's Guardian and stuff before. Yeah. So your name had been, it, it's written on a list somewhere that I, I have written somewhere. <laughs> I write these lists randomly. I'll sit down and be like, write a million people down. And then I never know where I put the lists <laughs> because I'm uh. not... A, a paper person and it's a I'm normally just all laptop and phone so oh no I'm such a list person like people buy me stationery <laughs> I'm really happy about it <laughs> this is like the only pen I have <laughs> and and this is the only paper I really have um <laughs> my bed po- best podcast ever podcast uh, it works from it's my mum <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's been great having you on. Uh, glad you've enjoyed it. For those of you listening, guys, hope you enjoyed Articast number 52. We're currently filming this on the day that number 49 with Catherine Dick comes out. So we're about three weeks ahead, which is not a lot for me. I like to be three months ahead. So we've got about 11 recordings to do in the next few weeks. Um, I don't know who number 53 is. It is one of about eight people that I am currently talking to and trying to arrange dates. Uh, but we'll see you next week for number 53, which will probably be in August. Yes, it'll be in August. So we'll see you then. Thank you very much, Amy. Thank you for having me. No problem. So a pleasure. <laughs> see you later on.
See you later. Well, that's it. Another R2 cast finished, another agricultural mind opened up. And I would just like to say that getting these guests on board uh, does take time uh, and it always has done, but I've now went weekly and with that comes even more time required. And I would just like to finally thank once more the Scottish Farmer for sponsoring the show and making that much more possible. Please be sure to get in touch if you've any ideas of people you'd like to see on the podcast or maybe ideas you have for me presenting better because I definitely do require that. See you in the next one.